Good evening, everybody. My name is Ryan Miner. We're here at Harry Brown's live on Wednesday night. It is the day before Valentine's Day, and I, I, I have to say that I'm not. My wife is working late tonight, so my pre-Valentine's date is uh, tele- no. I'm kidding. Is delegate. This is Delegate Carl Anderton. He's our guest tonight on a Minor Detail podcast. Delegate Anderton is the, he's in a single member district down in 38B. 38B, down on, it's it's R-Delmarva. That's it. That's right. And he's in the Lower Shore. He's where all the fun happens in Maryland. Look, I grew up in Western Maryland, Delegate Anderton. And then you grew up in Delmar. Somerset County. Okay. And it's, it's, it feels like sometimes it's the often forgotten parts of the state. And look, all these big, look, you get Montgomery County, where I live now, and then you have Anne Arundel, Prince George's, Baltimore City. Sometimes people ignore this side of the state, and, uh, but we're not, no, no more, no more, no more. So let's start from the beginning. I remember back in 2014, you were the mayor of Del Mar. And you were you launched this campaign against my God Norm Conway, and people said, "I don't know how this guy is going to pull it out." Even I just said off mic, I don't think Norm Conway thought he was going to lose, and and he and and all of a sudden, on election day, this tidal wave happens on the Eastern Shore, all over Maryland, really, and in comes Delegate elect Carl Anderton, November 2014, same time as Larry Hogan got elected. What was the magic sauce? What happened? I mean, how did you, what was the process of winning that race, Delegate? It all started, I guess, in October 2013. Bunky man, what a guy! He kept me straight every day. Every day we grinded every day. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it was grassroots. You know, we were outspent ten to one easily, if not more. Yeah. I mean, look, we're talking about a chairman. What was he? Sp- what was he spending his money on? Commercials. Well, I remember the article where he said that he was upset by the tone of the of of the. But that was the Maryland Republican Party. Now I know. But that's not something that you were approved, you didn't approve of. You're talking about somebody from the party. It just seems like the politics that people, look, I understand that it happens, and it was in, it was a couple nasty mailers, I remember. It's not, you're, you are, look, I have to say this, 
I've never thought of you as having just an R next to your name. You're you're a guy that cares about his community. I've seen this in action. Who cares about the people who live there? I mean, I don't know too many other state delegates who go out even in an off-year election and knock on doors. One day I saw this on your Facebook page and 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 I, and I saw that you were out knocking doors on a Saturday and then I asked you about it here, Harry Brown. I said, "What you know, I don't understand." And you said, well, what do you mean? Yeah, I'm out talking to constituents. I'm out talking to people. And in fact, you told me a story where one time you were out knocking doors, somebody sent you a note or a message, and then you went and saw them. That's amazing. Yeah. If you ignore your boss at your job, what happens? You, you probably get fired, right? Mm-hmm. You know, or, or something. So, uh, something bad would happen. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I don't ignore my boss. That's who I work for. So, you know, I want to make sure that they know that I know, you know, what's going on or what they need and, and, and that they can back to me and, and, you know, whatever I can do to help them out. And, uh, so that's why we gave a phone number out to everybody. You know, the cell phone travels with me and, you know, I get calls 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Right. But for me, it's, I wanted to stand in the gap. You know, there's a gap between, you know, the person that lives on Main Street and this building we're looking at. Yeah, the State Capitol building right to our backs. Yeah, right. So, you know, I wanted to be the guy that, that stands in the gap, and I wanted to, to do the job in the way that I would have wanted to That's right. When you decided to run against Norm Conway, knowing that at the time it could have been a very uphill battle, and to an extent it was, and you put in a lot of effort, but you did it in a methodical way that I think that is the blueprint for someone who may want to knock off a chairman. Look, you knock, how many, how many doors did you knock on it? 8,000. How many people live in the district? Every street. Well, you you hustled. Was it a surprise on election night? They laughed. <laughs> no, but when it came, you you had what fifty some hundred votes, five thousand some odd votes. Wow. We're going to win this. Yeah. Did he do the right? Did your opponent do the right thing? Did he call you and concede? Okay. Well, it's a shock. But I think it's classy when when people in politics, when they lose a race, 
I think so. I mean, if you lost, but you didn't have an opponent this last time, you were unopposed, and that's that's where we are. So you 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 knock on doors a lot. I, yeah. Yeah. Larry Hogan. Yeah. And I think that's how politics should be. Yeah, so let's give a shout out to uh, Delegate Maggie McIntosh. That's your girl? Tell her to come on the show sometime. No, she will. She will. Let me tell you that I have met Delegate McIntosh, and I think she is extraordinarily effective at what she does. And one of these days, who knows, she might be speaker. She's been there. That's right. But you're, and and I want to go into some of the politics, and we'll, we'll talk about your committee and a little bit about what's going on. But first, what's the story of Carl Anderton? What's the background? So, grow up. Where'd you grow up? Your family and all that stuff that people actually care about. So you know the Talls Festival. It's all right. I'm, I'm sure there's other people who sneak into that festival. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. You have Carl the Third. Peanut. What's the or, what's the origin of the peanut nickname? His head was shaped like a peanut. Oh, his head was okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's pretty good. Aren't kids a blessing? They change your life in every way possible. That we did. Uh, yeah. I know. We joke with our kids. You know, they're twelve and fifteen, and you know, I always, I'll, I'll, you know, they're we have a boy and a girl, and we we tell 
Look, our, our daughter's in sixth grade, and they're relentlessly always at each other's throat, but in a playful way. And when I think in a loving brother and sister way. And I'll say, oh, well, when's Josh going to get a date? And Paige will say, oh, never, never, never. It's just funny. I mean, and kids are so much smarter than we were when I was growing up. And I say that in a joke, half joking, but I'm telling you, the amount of information that they digest and process, it's just so much more. And I think it's probably the evolution of technology. Mm -hmm. Where would we be without? I'm holding up my smartphone. I mean, these things are. I'm with you, man. I don't know what I would do without this thing, and that's to an extent. I think it's it's a, a problem because um, I I rely on this for everything that I do, and I don't want to. I would love to be able and feel. Right. I would love to feel comfortable just turning this button off and not having to worry about it, but I, I can't. I just can't. Right. Tell me about Delmar. Sure. You became the mayor there, but you before you became mayor, were you on the town commission? I was, yeah. Okay, yeah. so you were a town commissioner, which is a municipal official, yeah. and then you ran for mayor. Yeah. And was that 2011? Yes. Okay. So what's it like to be a mayor of a small town? Mike Steele. I was working for the minor league baseball team in Salisbury. Yeah, he was lieutenant governor then. I was doing like the stuff in between the innings, had the games on the field. Right. And then I was working at two local radio stations. Were you doing sales? No, I was on the air. Oh, you're lucky. Yeah, it was great. Man, I want to do radio. Like I, people say, oh, you, you know, podcasts are just a watered down version of radio, and I'm like, yeah, well, you know what? I get to do my own content. I get flexibility, but I think one of these days, minor detail, maybe we'll take it on air to an actual station. Yeah, uh, we'll try. I mean, I'm working on a few things. I mean, I was totally interacted, interacted with people. They call up, want to hear a song. I'd stop whatever I was playing. Were you DJ? Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's where the nickname Cornbread and everything came from. Cornbread. What station? So 93.5 The Beach, and then right next to it was OC 104. Was that? So, on, the, on the shore. What kind of music? Uh, 93.5 The Beach is modern rock. Okay. OC 104 is hip-hop. Okay. So, you know, I, I would just kind of bounce back and forth between the two, but mainly I was on... Uh, what was your... So your radio nickname was Cornbread? So when I was on OC 104, I was Cornbread. That's hilarious. <laughs> that is... <laughs> that is so funny. You know, I'd fill in anytime somebody could come in. So there'd be some mornings I'd be there at six in the morning. Some days I'd work overnight. Yeah. Most of the time, cornbread came out at night. <laughs> <laughs> because everybody was gone. I had free reign of the place. You know, and, uh, but, so I met Michael Steele in, in 05. Yeah. And, uh, I was talking to him a little bit about you know, moving to a new town and all this stuff. And, and you know, I said, I, I think I'd like to be in a position to help people. And he said, we well, should run for a council seat. So I did. And uh, I still remember the very first door I ever knocked on. I knocked on the lady's door in 2000, October 2005, and she said, uh, she said, can I help you? I said, yes, ma'am. I'm running to be one of your town commissioners. And she said, what do you want to do? I said, I, I'm not really sure. <laughs> she said, well, boy, you got to get a better answer than that. So, <laughs> but, um, Isn't that great advice, though? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, did know, you knock on her door again? I did. Yeah. Absolutely. Did you come back with an answer? I told her, I said, I want to make sure she can enjoy the life she wants. Okay. But specifically, what did what did you want her, what did she want to hear from you? 
the shore, but she kind of liked that answer. So I hope she voted for you. You can go back and knock on her. Door door. Is she still around? Okay. <laughs> she, she, I hope so. I was there two years ago. And yeah. The and she was there. She answered. So you got on the yeah, down on the council. Yeah, right. I, I ran against a guy who, who uh, gentleman who had been in office for uh, sixteen years. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then, uh, wow, you 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 have this history of running against people who've been long time incumbents. Well, four years later, I was unopposed. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and then I ran for mayor in two thousand eleven. Do you have an opponent? Uh, Ten years. Ten years. And you knocked him off. And then in uh, uh, 2013, mayor runs every two years. Okay. 2013, I was It's an accountability factor every two years. Yeah. I mean, you know, that, that is tough because you're always, you know, you're always on edge. You know, when you have four years, you get a chance to kind of maybe get in a little groove to kind of find your way. But when you're running every other year, you're not afforded that opportunity. How many people in the town? So, uh, 3,500. Okay. Uh, so, What's the budget? Five six million. Do you have a police officer too? Yeah, we have a police, police department. We built a police station. Mm-hmm. One of the jobs we did when I was mayor, we did that. We did a full uh, street rest, uh, restoration project. And what I did was I brought the neighborhood into town hall, and I said, "You design your street." Okay. What do you, what do you want? What do you want? It's remarkable how constituents respond when you give them options. Do they still call you the mayor? <laughs> oh man, I, I yeah, I'm sure when you go to a, a local restaurant or get a cup of coffee or stop in at a, a grocery store, people stop you and talk. But that's what it's all about, right? Probably spend hours more than you probably want to inside of a grocery store. I will actually on Saturdays when I'm home with mm-hmm. between door knocking, you know, I, you know, I buy groceries and, and I'll be in there two hours yeah. talking with people. Everybody will stop and want to talk to them. I never, ever cut anybody off. That's awesome. You don't cut your boss off. Nope. And they're the, I mean, right. the voters, that's what it's all about. That's boss, man. That's, that's why I'm here. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not here because of, you know, uh, you know, yeah. So talk about. Let's talk. Let's now you're in Annapolis and elected in 2014, ran unopposed in 2018, and here we are. We're back in session. It's busy this year, and so we've got a couple of good things that are happening. I mean, I think there's a lot of uh, interesting bits and pieces of legislation that are coming about, but look, specifically yesterday on the Senate floor, it was the third reader of the bill of SB 128 that overrides Governor Larry Hogan's executive order for pushing schools to after Labor Day. You live in a place on the Eastern Shore where that's an overwhelmingly popular policy. And so... I believe a Gallup poll came out in 2016 that said 70%, nearly 70% of Marylanders are strongly supportive of this policy, that it's just something that works for them, that they believe it's good. However, fast forward to yesterday, on a partisan line, 31 to 13, the Democrats in the Senate overwhelmingly voted against the governor. Delegate, is this a partisan thing that they did? Do you think so? 
But it's going to come to the house. I saw him the day. Long, long time state senator. And you had a good relationship with Senator Matthias. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mary Beth Carosa, who now represents uh, the district, your state senator. Well, Senator Steve Hershey made a point yesterday. He's been leading the opposition to the bill on the Senate side. And, of course, Senator Hershey is from District 36, the Upper, upper Shore. And he's, he made a point to call out that the, the Democrats supported other mandates at the statewide education, say state education mandates, rather. What's the deal with this, then? Why would they not support this? And they, they make the local control argument. However, in, they, they turn around and say, oh, well, we gotta, we got to support local control, yet they support mandates that, at the state level. I mean, that's, and he's, he's saying that it's somewhat you know, hypocritical. Yeah, again, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not entirely sure to, to the, you know, the minutiae of the debate I wasn't right. there, but when, when it's over on the House side, then you know, we'll have a better understanding of what's mm-hmm. coming, coming our way. But, but there's, is there an economic argument for postponing schools to after Labor Day? Well, it used to always be that way. Yeah. You know, I didn't go to school until after Labor Day, you know. I mean, when I was a kid, you dreaded it. When Jerry Lewis came on your TV for the television. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's time. That was the Sunday. I remember those. Th- oh my gosh, you brought back some memories. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. You know what? I you know, Labor Day was always. Uh, I was. Oh well, I have to go to school on Monday, so we would go back. You know, I would. I would go back usually the week before. I grew up in Washington County, and then we'd have a week of school. And then we, we wouldn't go to school on Monday. So, and then we'd have a half week. So that was always fun. So you're on appropriations committee. So it's a big time committee. Okay. Got a lot of responsibilities. What are some of the issues that you are, uh, you and the committee are, are hearing at this time during session? Is that where you want it to be, delegate? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
seeing how your tax dollars spent. You know, we had a little joke when I was in Delmar writing the budget. I named every dollar. You know, <laughs> well, there goes Steve. There goes Floyd. You know. So um, it's a lot more dollars here. It's forty-six billion. But, it's know, a big budget. It's interesting learning how this machine, known as the state of Maryland, functions. And, uh, you know, so people come in all the time, meeting, you know, asking about funding. I've yet to have a group come in and say, "Hey, we uh, got too much money. You can have some back." Nobody's ever said that. It's always. I don't think you're ever going to hear that. Yeah. So I always ask. Okay, so you're looking for an increase. That's cool. But. Right. Right. There's always a counter. Do you ever get the sense, being on appropriations, and and I hope this doesn't sound condescending, that people think that there's a magical pot of money out there, and they say, and they say, well, right. And 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 in fairness, a lot of people are not clued in on how money is is raised, what the expenses are throughout the state, and the different look, there's so many different pots of money that we that we extract from. That's right. That's right. And take and move all those pieces around under that and I raise you a point uh, you raised an interesting point you mentioned the governor the state of Maryland I would argue has the strongest governorship in the, in, in the entire country Largely because the governor has the ability to submit his own budget, and that is everything. I mean, there's other governorships around the country that are much less influential, but this governor and all governors who preceded him, they have the ability to to set the tone, and then the the legislature, they, the General Assembly, they mark it up and decide, okay, this is what we're going to do. Um, but... You have to pass a budget. I mean, that's a that's a right, right. That's the law. Since you've been on appropriations, have you have you thought to yourself, man? Um, has it? Have you kind of marveled at the fact of where our money is spent in terms of goods and services and and whatnot? I mean, it's just. It must be incredible to 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 understand from that perspective where you are as a state delegate on the House Appropriations Committee how money is spent to every last dollar. Yeah. Trying to go further into it, and, and it's, it's, it's amazing to see you know, how much you know this this budget that we're working on affects everybody in this state on a daily basis. Right. You know, I mean, that's, that's, you know, that's amazing you know, to think about. And you still you can sit and let your mind run wild on it, but sometimes you have to pull it back in and realize you know that you can't get lost in that. You got to stick with what you know. Right. And as far as the appropriation process goes. Tell me about that. How does it work? I mean, what's the what's the what's the ground rules of appropriating tax dollars? I'm sure. We're going through each department in the budget now, 
again, having a chair woman like, like Maggie's She must know her stuff. It's unbelievable. You know, between her and the speaker, you know, I met with the speaker yesterday about a couple local projects, and he's like, yeah, no problem. We're going to take you to the up front today. Up to the to the diet right he said don't go on that minor detail podcast yeah look the speaker let me tell you the speaker is incredibly resilient this is a man who literally had a liver transplant I mean that's incredible he is iron yeah he's tough he's a tough bird he called me up there and he said I saw that you now do those bills sometimes sometimes bills get tucked away until signy die oh yeah. oh yeah i've been there i've seen the chamber at midnight and yeah i know and, and and guys like me who you know cover the news and follow the news you're waiting at about 11 30 and you're like man is that local bill gonna pass i don't know and then all of a sudden you go down the roster of all the bills yay nay i mean it's it's like a it's like you're bullet voting sometimes on the last night of session so what we had the first time that we expanded the, the sunset uh, on the disparity grant which affects one time of county with the passage of the bill mm-hmm. And it passed at 11.25. Oh, my gosh. And, and it, it, you know, it, it upped the, the money back to Wicomico County to right. $9 million to help with education funds. So it was very vital to us because that money had been cut back in 2012. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so, yeah, I, I, I was sweating that night. Yeah. Yeah, I was sweating that night. Well, Delegate, what else do you think is is going to be the marquee events of this 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 session? What do you think are going to be the big ticket items people are paying attention to? Not so huge. I mean, it, they had a hearing last Friday. That's right. And with that comes Delaware, the 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 luxury of no sales tax. Yeah. Are you concerned for businesses? Do you buy into the argument? That if a business cannot afford to pay or cannot pay their workers fifteen dollars an hour, then they must not be a good business. No, because the rule is ten ten. So when you start your business plan, you build it around ten ten. Ten ten or eleven or twelve or whatever. So when you're changing the rules halfway through the game, it kind of makes it a little difficult to win that game. Uh, when I live in Montgomery County, mm-hmm. they passed a county law sure. that it's fifteen dollars and it's over a period of time. And it went through several series, and and first, our our former county executive who um, was there for for many years, Ike Leggett, he vetoed the bill, and then ultimately they just, they they passed it, uh, I believe two years ago, and it was a big deal for for Montgomery County. But look, Montgomery County is a very wealthy place, and and I'm from an economic standpoint, small businesses, the two, you know, the mom and pop shops that are the engine, the backbone of Del Mar, the engine and backbone of Hagerstown, where I grew up. 
it's not about whether or not that they are if the, if their business model withstands um, and if if they're a good business or not if they can't pay their employees fifteen dollars a minimum wage we're talking about two or three or four employees how does that play out because they will struggle and that often is ignored by other in good intentions I understand it but that argument is so often ignored downstate and other places where people just want to say this is a great bill we deserve workers shouldn't be making $15 an hour but often we forget that they're that the economics of it where it says this we're talking about labor unskilled labor is somebody who is beginning an entry-level job is their labor worth $15 an hour I try to know what's going on, but I don't. Do they get it? And and you have a relationship. You have developed a brand of sorts that you. Now I mean that you your brand, from what I see, my perspective is that you are respected across the board. In so much as even last year, Josh Kurtz of Maryland Matters wrote a piece that he dubbed you as a winner um, for the legis- the 2018 legislative session, saying that you were respected across the board. That you went out and you fought like hell to get highway user revenue funds. What sixteen million dollars? This fall, this spring, this fall, we'll start to see the fruits of our labor as you see more streets paved in Rockville, more streets paved in Ocean City, more streets paved in Cumberland. And, and you know, it, it was something that, that I was versed with. You know, I was on the council when the highway user revenues were cut. It's so much quieter. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's no, it's nice. Take a minute. Take a minute. Okay. All right. <laughs> so, yeah, and you, you've developed this this brand that people like you across the aisle, your colleagues across the aisle, they respect you. Even though you may have some fundamental political disagreements, there is a sense about you that you are an honest broker, you're a nice guy. And why is it that politics has moved so far away from that? It doesn't have to be. And I haven't seen that intense anger that you associate with national politics. It's not here in Annapolis. I don't see it at all. I mean, but there are times when everybody goes to a respective corner. Sure. You know, uh, I'm not a fan of it at all. You know, I, I guess, you know, for me, I, you know, my advice to somebody coming in is, is, uh, is just to stay, you know, a regular to who you are. Don't come up here and change. You know, that happens, I think, a lot. But, you know, for me, I mean, I'm sitting here now. What do I got on? I got on a hoodie, yeah. pair of jeans, and some, you know. I will say that it's a, that, I will say that that's a nice Salisbury University hoodie. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. I try to get my wife to wear my college alma mater stuff, and uh, she's she's coming around. Yeah. So she went to Towson, and I went to Duquesne. But look, she's an in-state girl, and uh, I, I said I told my God love her. I told my parents I'm like I got to get out of town for a while, and then I I came back. No, it's my home. I wear this sweatshirt on special occasions, brother. So. Well, this is a special occasion. <laughs> you better believe it. So. And I look at Larry Hogan as someone who 
can build a consensus, even though they, you know, sometimes even the, his own party rips him for something. And I get that. But he, I think he's a guy that looks at partisanship and is like, you know what? I don't buy into this argument. I don't, I don't, I don't agree that we have to, to, to jump at each other's throats over these issues. We're all Americans. We all want the same thing. We just may have a different way to get there. But that's the difference about Annapolis. And that's, and I see Larry Hogan as somebody that really does try to reach across the aisle. I mean, and, and people will disagree with that, and they will point to 10 different examples that he isn't. But from my perspective as a journalist, as someone who's covering this, I, I think that that, that that characteristic about him is there, Carl. What's the same, you know, like, you know, as you said about me, which is amazing, I appreciate that, brother. Um, you know, between, like, the speaker and, and, and Maggie and, mm-hmm. and the governor, you know, I mean, you won't find people to say that they're mean. You know, you'll, you won't find that. People will not say that those those individuals are mean. You may disagree on an issue or an approach to an issue, right. but you won't say that that's a, you know, a mean spirited person. You'll say that's a they're very nice people who you know treat you probably with more respect than you deserve. Right. But you, you may disagree, and, and that's okay. I have no problem you know disagreeing with somebody on, on an issue, you know, and, and doing so in a way and, and still loving. Yeah. You know, but. Uh, but you're also willing to go battle on issues that you're passionate about and put the, because it comes down to serving your constituents. You're here to speak up for your people, you know, and so that, that's it. But the thing is, you know, it's trying to find the right mix. You know, like, like you know, I have a very diverse district, you know, and so a lot of times there might be an issue that one of my colleagues uh, in Western Maryland, you know, they'd be adamantly opposed to it. But I have 53% of the people in my district that kind of like it. And you probably have the conversations mm-hmm. offline, not in front of any one-on-one, yeah. the discussions where you say, I really want to sit down and educate you on how my district feels. And I think that's how yeah. things are done. That's exactly and that's a great way to, to do business. Way to do that's the best way to do it. One-on-one, that way nobody feels like they're being pressured, nobody feels like they're being put on the spot. Have you changed hearts and minds before with those conversations? Yes, you did. You did. Keeps you grounded, though. Yeah. I'm not going to do anything knowingly to right. embarrass the people that sent me here, right. you know, or make them embarrassed to have me here. My goal is to make sure that they're proud of the job I'm doing for them. Whether or not they agree with the vote or not is one thing, but they, they, they feel like, again, it goes back to the, they feel like they're getting the best return right. possible for that dollar they're spending, but in that vote that they gave, uh, you know, so I, I don't know, I wake up every day with the same excitement. You know, from day one to now, you know, I can't wait to find a way to yeah. help out. Uh, uh, every time I watch, we mentioned earlier in the show that we're looking at the building, and right behind us, and I'm turning my head, is the State House building. And I, I posted a picture of where we do this podcast you here. And I'm telling you, every time, it, it kind of does. Every time I walk past this building, I think to myself, Listen, think about the history. Think about what we're all in this, you know, from 
from your side, from my side, from everybody who's down here, people who come eat at Harry Brown that just spend, you know, maybe six months on a piece of testimony, um, people who've never been to Annapolis before and go before the Appropriations Committee and testify on a bill. I, that's, that is the heart and soul of who Maryland is, and I, I love it. That's what I love about our state, and people are really passionate about it. I agree, and, uh, you know, I guess the opportunity to walk in those halls over the state house. It's humbling. It's amazing. You get goosebumps every time. You get so excited, you know, that you get to walk in the same building that George Washington <laughs> Resigned his commission. Is that crazy? Yep. What? It's it is crazy. You know, I saw the governor today. He was, I was. Sometimes I go out and sit on Maryland Street. There's a little there's a little bench right there in front of one of the storefronts, and I I I've been sitting out there to in the afternoon when it's not too cold out, just to get away from it all. I just like to sit and take a breather and look at my email, my phone, or sometimes just sit there and do nothing and watch the passerby. There you go. I, I know, right? And along comes the governor, and he was getting a haircut, and I'll, he was he was coming from his haircut, and I, you know, uh, I see, yeah, right. And I saw his detail. You know, you see this too, too state police officer, and uh, I really wanted to ask him. I wanted to pull him aside. He was on the phone, and he, he stopped and shook my hand, and I wanted to say, Governor, I, I don't care about anything else that's going on, but what's your comment on Joe Flacco leaving the Ravens? Yeah, I can tell you. Good spot for him. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, he's going to Denver. They could have done him wrong to send him to Denver. Denver's a decent team. I thought he'd go somewhere like you know Jacksonville or Oakland. No, Denver's that's that's a big one, but so, but he had a little bit of a comp. Look, how does the Ravens have two core starting quarterbacks? You can't. You can't. can't. And if you brought in if you brought in Lamar Jackson, you got to roll with him. Yep. You know, I mean, it's going to happen. Yeah. So you know, I mean, the money that's saved. From letting Joe go, and the fact that we traded him and didn't release him is brilliant by Eric Dacosta. For his first move as a GM replacing Ozzy Newsom, it's a brilliant move because he brought in something right. and freed that money up that we can go now. You know, if we did another receiver or two or a couple offensive linemen, you know, or another new safety, you know, Eric Weddle's really long on the tooth, a little slow, you know, I mean, maybe it's time to make a change there. Forget this politics stuff. I mean, you're, I think you're cut out for sports. I think you, I think you got an ESPN radio gig in the future for you. I'm going to lean towards no on that, but, You know what? I, I, I didn't ask you, but people, People know that state delegates typically have other jobs. That's what. That's how this legislature was. This legislature was designed for, right? I mean, you you come up here for four months out of the year, you give it a hundred percent, but then people go back to doing day jobs in their community. What's your What's your full time gig? So I'm lucky. Uh, I have a family member that owns a pest control business. I love it. Yeah, and so it's. Uh, use, They'll love it. We use heat. Mm-hmm. We don't use chemicals. And so you know, you set the house up. Takes about six hours to do a job because you have to warm the house about mm-hmm. 50 degrees. That way, it kills everything in there, but it keeps your electronics safe. So I get to sit in Ocean City in the summer with a cigar for six it's amazing. hours, watching people on the beach. It's pretty cool. Do you um do, do you know a guy named Walter White by by chance? <laughs> You know what I'm talking about. I think back to Breaking Bad when they when they when they set up Vomino's Pest and they went in and made meth. Like, well, how brilliant was that? So, I mean, you got a side little side thing going. Okay. 
Well, I'll tell you what, um, Delegate, it's a pleasure to have you on tonight, really, sincerely. I, I, I got to tell you, man, I, I, I appreciate it. I've been listening to you now. You know, oh, thanks. Doing this. You know, I finally had the opportunity to sit here and, and, and you know, kind of get aimlessly. It's kind of been great. I really enjoy it. So we do. Look, yeah. this unstructured conversation, and I've learned pretty quickly, it's just it's just us. It'd be like us talking off mic. I mean, I, I, I don't. I mean, I take it very seriously. Don't get me wrong. I take it. I, I, I prepare, and I know exactly where I want to take an interview. I seen your stuff on Facebook enough to know that you take this very seriously. I try. And I am so glad that I am on your good side. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, man. And I'm like, ooh, somebody going to get it today. <laughs> you know, it's funny. One of the governor's staff members, I won't say who, but they, in fact, they were up here last week, um, and there was a group of them, and I walked by, I, um, uh, and they, we got to talking, and they said, you know what, you know, you're, you're a guy that, you know, you, you put a lot of effort in this. We like what you're doing. But they're like, I would never want to be on your bats. I'm like, I don't know what that, I don't know what that means, but, but. But I just I think I have a method that if if I see something that from a journalist perspective I will I will come at that and I will always do my due diligence. But you know sometimes what's right is right, and that's that's how I roll. I mean, look, I'm a scrappy kid from Hagerstown. I grew up in a very middle class family. We've had to work for everything that we've got. My parents have taught me and instilled values in me that I think I carry to this program and, and try to do in my own writing is be honest, be straightforward and and always, always, always look, it's always I, I interviewed Bruce Periano yesterday. And it was it, it was amazing experience. Let me tell you right now, that man has a wealth of knowledge that I couldn't I couldn't even tap into a one percent of that yesterday. But one thing he taught me, and same thing with my parents, relationships are everything. And if you build a relationship and you nurture that relationship and you talk to someone face to face, they'll be a friend for life. And you know, Bruce said that to me. You know, this is a you'll be a, you'll be my friend for for life, and that that matters to me. And and yes. <laughs> yeah, second season, right? Oh man. But you know, it's it's it, 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 that's the first time that I've watched a TV show. Man, I know who that's about. Look, he's a guy from the Bronx, New York, the youngest of two, went to law school, and was here back in the days of Steny Hoyer when he was the Senate president, and William James. I, You know, and, and say what you, people want to criticize him, but okay, fine, but, you know, people can criticize me, people can criticize you, sure. but... Talk about institutional knowledge. No, absolutely. I mean, you know, he, he's incredible. Hard, he's hardcore. You can hear, you can hear the accent. And then when you talk to him to this day, and you know, it's like meeting somebody from Michigan. It's a Bronx man. Look, he's a scrappy kid from the Bronx. Yeah, I'm a scrappy kid I'm too. Accents, man, them accents never go away. You meet somebody from Michigan, they'll still come at you with a "You betcha." You betcha. <laughs> What's well, uh, you know the. My my Hagerstown accent comes out every once in a while. You know, go down Creek. 
Oh man, hey, I listen. I've been down and I've seen some Crisfield people go off. Hottest day of the year, typically. But you and I are—we're going to be in Talls this year. I will be. You will be. Yeah, and then afterwards we'll go. We'll, we'll burn one. We're going to do it. We're going to do it tonight. I don't think people should know that after this interview, after I tear down, which will take me ten minutes, um, Delegate Anner and I, and we're going to—we're going to, of course. We're going to go talk about some other legislative issues, but we're going to do that over a cigar. And that's how I learn. Like, you know, he'll guide me in the right direction in Annapolis. All right, man. Well, thanks for doing this. Um, it's, a, it's a pleasure. Um, any parting thoughts? No, man. Just again, man. Just it's all about, you know, relationships here, and it's all about making sure that you stay true to yourself and everything else will fall in place. And, you know, every day you're up here, the small things become so big, but then you realize that's right well it was a pleasure and uh i look forward to to watching this session unfold it's gonna be fun all right all right man thanks